Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Uh, this morning we continue our series on the Minor Prophets. This is one of uh, three parts, one of three parts meaning there are 12 Minor Prophets, again minor, minor because they're not small in their stature, but small in their writings. So if you are bored and looking for something to do today, or because you said, I've never read Nahum before, you can go home and read Nahum and it won't take you too long. It's only a few chapters. Whereas the major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, you could spend a long time reading through you know, 10 and 15 and 20 plus chapters through those books. But Nahum, this prophet Nahum, we're in the series of minor prophets. So we started this October last year, took a look at the first four, and then we started here again in February to get the next four, and then we're going to wrap up this series October of this year as we do the last four minor prophets. Well, as we talk about the prophets, I have a question for you this morning, and, and here's a question I want you to kind of kick around real quick. If you could draw a picture of God, what would God look like? you. Think about that for just a moment. What would God look like? Uh, Jesus? What does Jesus look like? We really don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of images of what Jesus is like. I mean, would, would, would he look like Jesus? And what kind of Jesus would Jesus look like? Would he be the kind of Jesus in blue jeans and, you know, and a t-shirt kind of Jesus? You know, or the kind of Jesus that, you know, has got a long beard and looks very, maybe very Jewish, you know, uh, Jesus with blue eyes and red hair. You know, if you travel the world, sometimes Jesus, you know, begins to look like the culture and the ethnicity of, of the people as they try to imagine what he's like. Or you think about God, is God going to be that God with the white, you know, beard and, you know, long hairs kind of sitting on a throne? Or is God like, you know, the police officer? Or, or think about Nahum and the words we heard from Nahum. And what does that God look like? Angry dad. Um, yeah, just fed up. Well, you know, what, is, what does God look like? If you could draw a picture, maybe you can't draw. Maybe you'd, you'd be a stick figure because that's as good of a drawing you can make. But, you know, in, in the early church, people were attracted, you know, to these group of people who were called Christians that were following Jesus. And a lot of that had to do with the way they portrayed, the way that they helped people understand who God was. Because in the culture of that time, if you understand like ancient Greek and Roman culture, they had many gods they believed in. But this Christian God was unique. Because this Christian God was a God who cared, a God who loved. A God who loved so much that he stepped into this world. Sounds like the words of John 3.16. So much that he gave his life for his people. This is a God who loves. But Nahum, let's get back to Nahum. You know, Nahum is a great, great prophet to read. I have a question for you. How many of you have ever read the book of Nahum before? A few of you. How many of you have heard of the book of Nahum? Okay. At least, okay. No, no wait, wait. You all are here this morning. How many of you have heard of the book of Nahum before? Every hand should go up. This might be the first time you've heard about the book of Nahum. But you know, what do we know about Nahum? Not a whole lot. We know he's from this little town. We know he's a prophet that spoke about Nineveh. By the way, this is about 100 years. You can go to the next slide. Because um, uh, I forgot I was going to do this. He, the, we know that he's uh, a, 
prophet about 100 years from when Jonah spoke. And so let's again talk about a prophet. Is A prophet is a person who is regarded as inspired proclaimer of God, who proclaims messages from God. So inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's proclaiming kind of the angry dad, I'm fed up with it, kind of God. And, you know, all the prophets have that little bit of the boy, Nahum. I mean, if you read Nahum, it's, it's not a happy, cheerful, kind of, it's just dark. And the prophets, they had a, a twofold message. It was law and gospel. So again, let's just review this. And we've been doing this in this series. We're going to review it again. Law is, we use that acronym SOS, law shows our sin. Law is the judgment. Law is feeling the weight of God's judgment on us. It's like in a story I've shared before when I talk about law. You know, I think about it like when I went to school in Portland, Oregon. One time on a rainy day, which was quite normal in Portland, which is really hard transition from a boy from Phoenix, 300 plus days of sunshine to 300 plus days of rain. And it was a dark day, and it was hard to see. And I pulled on the interstate in my wife's little car, and the next thing I hear was, as this gigantic logging truck was like, I could just see the grill, barely. I did not see that he was there, and he was not happy. That's what, you know, the law of God feels like bearing down on you. The prophets also, it's a twofold message, they have the gospel, the good news. And again, the acronym SOS is shows our Savior. So, you know, the prophets also pointed to a God who does love us. So I don't know, if you read Nahum, it's kind of hard to see that. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this more. This is Nahum. This is who Nahum is. This guy, about 100 years after Jonah. And remember Jonah, from two weeks ago we talked about Jonah. Probably one of the more familiar minor prophets that we know is Jonah was supposed to go to where? Nineveh. And he said, uh-uh, ain't going. Took off the opposite direction, you know, got in a boat, storm, big fish or whale, whatever, you know, changes his heart, gets sped up, vomited, you know, on the shore, goes to Nineveh, repent, repent, repent. And the people repent, and God doesn't destroy them. He has mercy. Jonah's kind of angry, doesn't understand God. Now, 100 years later, you know, after they had repented, they had forgotten they'd repented. They're back to their old ways again. Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. And the Assyrians, if you know history at all, whether biblical history or just, you know, world history, the Assyrians were mean. They were nasty people. I mean, they would do brutal things, cut people's tongues off and impale people and just... Me, And so they, were, they, they, they terrified, you know, those nations around them. They, they were really the first superpower of the world. And so while well, a hundred years ago, the king and the entire city of Nineveh repented of their wicked ways. Now they had forgotten and they were back to their old ways of doing things. And this, this is the message we you know we hear. These are the words we hear from Nahum. Let's just read some of these words again, these first two slides here. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. Now you talk about, you know, the picture you would have of God if you could draw a picture of God. What kind of picture of God are you drawing here? 
I mean, this is, this is a fearful sounding God. Some of the other language, as the you know, text continues, gives images of like when the Israelites were fleeing from Egypt and they come to the Red Sea and God opens the Red Sea up and the you know, Israelites cross over and the sea comes crashing down on top of the Egyptian army and just t- wipes them out. And sometimes, you know, this is the image we have of God, even ourselves at times. When life is difficult, when things are challenging, we feel like God is just judging me. God is angry with me. God knows what I did. Even if no one else knows, God knows. And so this is why this is happening. God is that angry God, that wrathful, vengeful God. And we do hear a lot of that language here in the book of Nahum. But if we read through this too quickly, we, we miss out on some powerful, powerful expressions of good news, of who our God is. Remember, a prophet, they have a twofold message. It's the law and the what? The gospel. The law shows us our sin, and the gospel shows us our Savior. Let's take a look here at this verse here. And read this from the Nahum 1.7. The Lord is good. In the midst of all of this vengeful, wrathful God who's going to destroy Nineveh, which, by the way, Nineveh was destroyed within 20 years, the Babylonians and the Medes came and desolated Nineveh and the Assyrian Empire. I don't care what you found, Siri. (laughs) Here's what I found. The Lord is what? Good. You know, that, that is such a powerful phrase to hear. The Lord is good. Especially as we think, and sometimes all that we hear is bad news. All that we see is, 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 a, is, a, is humanity destroying itself. This is what the people were hearing as most of the Israelites had been carried away into captivity. And as Nahum speaks these words, even as he speaks the words of law, of judgment, he says, the Lord is what? Good. And this is what we learn as we hear these words, the Lord is good, is we can trust God's character. We can trust in God's character because we have a good God, a good God who is merciful, a good God who cares for us. You know, and this is not the only time this expression is seen in scriptures where we hear that God is good. We're going to look at a number of other scriptures that talk about God's goodness. Let's go ahead and just kind of start running through these. First Chronicles 16, 34. Let's read this together. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good, because his mercy endures forever. Uh, maybe a familiar passage to a number of us. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. Because his mercy endures forever. He is a good God because his mercy endures for how long? Forever. God's mercy endures forever. He is a good God who is merciful. There's some Psalms that also speak to God's goodness. Let's take a look here. Our next passage. Psalm 16, 2. Let's read together. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Without you, I have nothing good. Because ultimate goodness is God's mercy and God's care for us. Next scripture. Psalm 25, verse 7, we read together. 
Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. We can trust God's character because when we say God is good, we are saying God shows mercy, that God does not remember our sins, that God forgives and God loves. This is God's goodness. We can trust in God's character. Next scripture. A one seven. Just had this a little earlier, but there's more to this text. So let's dig in a little bit deeper here. Read this with me. The Lord is a fortress in the day of trouble. So this good God is a fortress in the day of trouble. So not only can we trust in God's character, we can trust in God's, let me go to the next slide, ability. We can trust in God's ability. His ability to do what? To care for us. To be our shelter. To be, you know, the God that we know has the ability to care and provide for us. And again, you know, Nahum is not the only place that we hear these words. Next slide. Psalm 9.9. Let's read this together. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in the times of trouble. Just kind of ponder those words for a moment. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge. One that we can go to and we can find a sense of peace, even in turmoil. He's a stronghold in the days of trouble. He is that shelter for us. So when everything else in life seems to be fading away, we have a God who is our shelter. You know, these, these are the words, you know, that, that are reflected in a hymn, especially in our Lutheran culture, is, is kind of, you know, kind of like our, 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 our anthem as Lutherans. Do you know what hymn that is? Yeah, so you got it. Yeah, mighty fortress is our God. You know, mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark, if you use the old translation. You know, he's that shelter. Strength for us. He is that place that we can run to, that we can go to. Even though sometimes we don't, we try to go to something else. Ultimately, when we do that, we find out whatever else it was, it's not going to really provide the strength, the shelter, the refuge that we need. But that he's dependable to be there for us. All right, next scripture. Psalm 18, 2, let's read this together. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my savior. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and strength of my salvation, my stronghold. I guess it's just rich and powerful words that sometimes we just don't lean into when we can't. And so, again, his name is saying the Lord is good. He is that stronghold for us. He is that fortress for us. He is that refuge for us. He is reminding the people, even as you hear these words of judgment, even as things around you seem to be falling apart, even as many of you have been carried away to captivity, the Lord is there for you. All right, let's continue. Next slide. Psalm 27.1. Let's read together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
Now, I don't know about you. I've read these words before. Um, do I always, in a sense, absorb these words into my life? No. I've been afraid before. I mean, not just only when the big logging truck was like right on top of my bumper, scared the daylights out of me. I think I got new glasses after that, too. <laughs> I got glasses. So when I got to Portland, it's when I got glasses. Uh, but, you know, but do we do it all the time? No, but again, and I love that David, David, when he writes these beautiful words, because he writes most of the Psalms, I think he writes them as he goes through an experience, like we do, like something terrible and, and frustrating or oppressive was going on in his life, and he's saying, Lord, ah, and then as he's wrestling through that, he realizes finally, Lord, you are the one that is my stronghold. And what do I really have to fear, Lord, because you are there? I can trust in your character, and I can trust in your ability to be there for me, to be my strength. All right, let's continue. Our next slide. Psalm 94, 22. There's a lot of this language in the scriptures here, in the Psalms especially. Let's read again. The Lord has become my stronghold. My God has become my rock of my refuge. It's a great reminder, whatever is going on in your life right now, if you need that refuge, that stronghold, if other things you've been counting on, things of this world, things you've been consuming, things people you're in relationship with seem to be failing, that there's one who will not fail you. The one who is our refuge. All right, let's continue. And these words here come from Jesus, not directly the same words, but really the same concept is there as Jesus speaks to Jerusalem. This is shortly before he's going to be crucified. Let's read together. There's two slides here. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So here, Jesus gives this beautiful image, again, of, of a protection, of refuge. You know, talking about the prophets and how you stoned them and killed them. By the way, a lot of the prophets died because they gave God's message and a message that they didn't want to hear. Either because it was a message of judgment or because even the message of gospel wasn't the earthly gospel they wanted of success and power. But Jesus gives this image of God, you know, being like a mother hen who gathers the chicks, and if you've been around, you know, a mother hen before, who gathers the chicks, you know, in her arms and her, her feathers to protect them. And so in the same way, God longs to gather us close in loving arms to protect us. Let's continue. Day in one seven again, let's read. The Lord is good. He knows those who seek shelter in him. The Lord is good. He knows those who seek shelter in him. So we can trust in God's character. We can trust in God's ability. And next, we can trust in God's love. We can trust in God's love. Because God ultimately, his ultimate expression of love is in Jesus. Let's take a look at a few of the passages that are an expression of that love. From John 10, 14 through 15, we read these words of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep as the Father knows me. My sheep know me as I know the Father. So I give my life for my sheep. The expression of God's love for us ultimately is in Jesus. A love we can trust. 
As he says, you know, as a shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep know the shepherd. And, you know, without getting too lengthy into the whole good shepherd text, you know, that the, the sheep would often intermingle as they would, you know, drink water. But that one shepherd could call out to his sheep and his sheep know his call. All the other sheep ignore that shepherd, but then his sheep follow him. That a shepherd could know that one of his sheep is missing. The shepherd knows you. And the shepherd loves you. God knows you and God loves you. God knows everything you're going through. God knows that you don't always trust in his character or his ability. But he still loves. He loves you. He loves me. He loves the world so much. As we hear in those words of John 3 that he gave his only begotten son. Next slide. So let's read those words from Nehemiah, wrong prophet. Nahum 1-7 again. The Lord is good. So when we hear those words, the Lord is good, we hear that there's a God we can trust in, a God we can count on a God we can lean on, a God who enfolds us in his loving arms, a God whose arms we can cry in, who we can rest in, we can find hope, we can find mercy and love. Because the ultimate expression of a good God is who? Is Jesus. The one who gave his life for us. And the one who rose again from the grave. You know, here at Holy Savior, we talk about, you know, growing in Jesus and sharing his love. And so part of growing in Jesus is, is growing, I think, not only in, you know, again, the head knowledge, and this is some good head knowledge to kind of gain, but in that, that sense of heart and life knowledge of what it means to be in relationship with God. Being in relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ, means we know, even though we have to remind ourselves, the Lord is good. And then sharing the love that he shared with others. So whatever images you might have, if you were to go home and get a piece of paper and draw what God looks like, you know, ultimately, I think we could draw and say, what does God look like? You know, you put the cross and say, that's God. That's the good God. That's the God whose character I can trust in. That's the God whose ability I can trust in. That's the God whose love I can trust in. As some of you said earlier, you know, what does God look like? Yeah, Jesus. That's our good God. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing love for us. We give you thanks and praise that you love us, and in that love, you gave your son to die for us on the cross. But Lord Jesus, you willingly gave up your life. We thank you that you are God who is a good God who knows us and loves us even in spite of our sinfulness and our rebellion. We give you thanks that you are a God who is our shelter, our strength, our stronghold, our refuge. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that when there are times that are troubling, whether there are small, minor troubles, whether they are overwhelming troubles in our lives and our world, that you remind us and reassure us that our loving God is our refuge, our strength, our hope, and our peace. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.